Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And if it is your first time here at True Life, uh, my name is Michael. I'm the lead pastor, and I just want to say welcome. So glad that you're here. If you're watching online this morning on Facebook or YouTube or Church Online, whatever platform you're using this morning, we are thrilled that you're here as well. Would you all help me welcome first-time guests and everybody watching online? Come on. So glad you're here. Um, Okay, I need your permission this morning for our time together to be a little different uh, than than what it normally is. I'm going to give you an opportunity to participate in communion at the end of the message today, but the flow is just going to be a little different, and it might actually be different this service than the first service. Um, So when I I craft a a message to share with you guys, I would say probably like 98% of the time, I I know exactly how it's going to go, start to finish. All of that. Um, this one was different. Uh, I felt like the Lord gave me kind of a picture of a moment that we were supposed to have together. And um, in fact, it intimidated me a little bit because I was like, God, people aren't going to do that. They're, they're going to think I'm crazy. And so that's fine if, if you end up feeling that way today. Like, I might be. Okay? So, um, so I, I always tell people I'm not a mental health professional, but I am a mental health patient. All right. So, um, hey, I got stuff on my... I didn't, okay, I didn't eat anything. Hey, can we just, I'll, if I get a kiss out of it every time, I will make a mess of myself every Sunday. Every Sunday. I like my wife. That is my wife, too. Y'all should know that. <laughs> You're like, what kind of church is this? It's my wife. Um, so anyway, uh, can I, just have, can, we, can I just have your permission to like not be 100% sure where this ends up today? Is that cool? We're just going to see what the Lord does and how he, how he talks to us and all that. Some of you are like, oh, no, what is happening? All right. Um, so there's no snakes or anything like that. All right. So I promise. It's all good. Um, so we're going to talk about, we're going to end this series today called Let's Go. We're going to talk about let's go to the cross. Let's go to the cross of Jesus. So before I get into that, I, I want to um, remind you that next weekend, y'all, it is here is Thrive Marriage Conference, February 10th and 11th. If you are married or engaged, we, we would love so much for you to be a part of this uh, very, very special weekend. And uh, please don't let money be the reason that you don't come. Uh, or, or if your schedule doesn't allow you to attend both days, just come to the part that you can. Uh, we, we really want you to be a part of this. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little older now, middle-aged, and so I'm, I'm starting to get ready for... Um, you know, what that looks like, and eventually, probably, I'll, I'll have grandkids, and, and, um, and I remember, you know, grandparents, they get special rights, like, they're allowed to, they're allowed to use guilt every once in a while to get you to do something, so I'm just, this is just a practice run for me as I get, as I look forward into my, my later years, just, just a little practice run for me, I just want you to know, February 10th, that is, that is your pastor's birthday, that's my birthday, February 10th, I will turn 43 years old. It's also uh, my good friend Dan, who's our sound engineer, it's his birthday as well, who's, who's running sound sick today, I mean, just like showed up anyway, even though he's not feeling 100%, thank you Dan for that, I love you man. Um, so uh, so uh, let me just say this, I, d- I don't want you to bring me a gift or anything, if you're married or engaged, the best gift you could give your pastor on his birthday would be to show up at Thrive, y'all feeling it? Is this, you feel it? Am I, is this working? Just feel a little twist in there. Just, just don't, don't hurt your pastor. Don't do that. It's in the Bible, I'm pretty sure. All right, so, um, no, seriously, we'd love to have you. And um, I want you to know we charge $50 a person for the conference, but 
If you need a scholarship, we've got you. And we don't, we don't make a penny, actually, on the conference. In fact, uh, we will spend way more making this weekend happen than we'll get through registrations. In fact, our registrations like might cover the cost of one of the guest speakers who will be here this weekend. And uh, so we have my pastors, Waylon and Dana Sears. We have Nancy Houston, who's back with us this year. If you were here last year, the, you know what an incredible job uh, she did. She's a certified uh, therapist, um, psychologist, um, and then like a, a certain kind of therapist for married people. If there's kids in the room, so I just want to be careful. Rhymes with Tex-Mex. You know what I'm saying? Like, that kind of therapist. All right, so, um, and just super helpful uh, for married people. And uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a powerful weekend. And my good friends, Mark and Monica Poland, coming down from Philly. And we're just going to have so much fun together. Now, I- I've heard from people, um, actually the last several years when we do a marriage conference, there's always some people who are a little intimidated. Like, what happens at this thing? Like, do I have to sit at a table with other people and talk about my marriage and all that kind of stuff? And the answer is no, like we don't do anything to put you on the spot. Our, the whole conference is a series of sessions in this room with communicators on stage just investing in your marriage. And then uh, lots of bathroom breaks. Can I hear an amen? Lots of snacks and food and breakfast and lunch served on Saturday. And the only reason we're able to do all of this at the level of excellence we do is because some of you are passionate about marriages and families and have really underwritten the cost of the whole thing. And so I just want to say thank you for that. Come on, can we just say thank you for some generosity in the house this morning? And um, this is going to be a great, great weekend. Are you ready to see what the Bible has to say to us this morning? Come on, ready to see what Jesus wants to communicate to us this morning? All right, here we go. First slide is, oh my goodness, how did that get there? I am so sorry. It's for you, Glenn. Guy from my small group. I, I apologize. The Lord must have done that because I didn't I didn't have anything to do with that. Just kidding, just kidding. Y'all know I grew up in Kansas City, Missouri, so that's my team. I'm so excited for Sunday. Here's my rule. Uh, I, I will not initiate trash talk with you, but if you come at me, just remember, I use words for a living. All right, so... Uh, Hey, we're going to talk about the cross. We're going to talk about the cross of Jesus. I had this conversation uh, with, with my son recently and my wife, some of our staff. So I just want to talk about going to the cross of Jesus as we wrap up this series, Let's Go. I felt like the Lord gave me a, a mandate to start the new year. Help people create movement, take ownership of their own discipleship, their own spiritual development. And 2023, if you do that, could be a year where maybe you finally, or maybe for the first time ever, feel like you have momentum in your walk with Jesus. Where like it's not just you're trying to come to church and scrape off of somebody else's relationship with God and, and then hopefully you survive Monday to Saturday or maybe there's a first Wednesday in there, but like, like you really begin to have momentum in your own spiritual development and it feels like the Bible means something to you and it feels like your prayer time means something to you and, 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 and you kind of take ownership of all of that. And, and so we're going to wrap that up today with this, with this message called just let's go to the cross. Let's go to the cross of Jesus. I argued with the Lord about preaching this today because honestly it's like a perfect message for Palm Sunday right before Easter. And I was like, God, can I just save it? And he was like, no. And I was like, okay, I guess you're in charge. But you can't really understand the cross unless you go all the way back to the people of Israel. This is why I want to encourage you. There's there's some language out there that I actually find concerning in in different Christian circles today where, where people are just like, Hey, we don't really even 
need to worry about the authority of Scripture. We don't need to worry about the Old Testament. Let's just focus on New Testament. Let's just focus on Jesus. But the thing is, like, you can't even understand who Jesus is or what Jesus did or the importance of Jesus showing up and doing what he did unless you understand the whole first two-thirds of the Scripture, the Old Testament. Like, it all, the whole thing is a narrative that points to this beautiful relationship that we get to have with the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself. Y'all tracking with me this morning? And you can't really understand the cross unless you go back here to this place in Exodus where it's the beginning of what um, in Jewish tradition you would call the Feast of Passover or the Festival of Passover. And um, some of you are probably familiar with the story, right? So the Israelites are in captivity in Egypt. They've been enslaved by the Egyptians actually for more than 400 years. And God speaks to this guy named Moses, remember the burning bush, and he says, hey Moses, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground, and I have an assignment for you, I have something that I need you to go do. He says, I want you to go to Egypt, and I want you to tell Pharaoh, let my people go, let them go, get them out of there, good job. All right, so, so Moses, they argue a little bit, and finally Moses is like, okay, if Aaron comes with me, because he's a better talker than me, and they, they go to Egypt, and there's this whole process now that takes place where God performs these different powerful works, these miracles, these plagues, they're actually really awful for the Egyptian people in an effort to try to get Pharaoh to soften his heart and release the Israelites, but he doesn't. I'm, I'm condensing and paraphrasing here quite a bit, all right? So finally we get to this point where God's like, hey, there's one more plague that I'm going to send and this is going to be the one. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come through Egypt in the middle of the night and I'm going to take every firstborn son, every firstborn male. And he gives some instruction to the Israelites to make sure that they do not experience the pain and the punishment that the Egyptians are going to experience for having hard hearts towards the Lord. And so, so God tells the Israelites, he says, hey, I need you to get an animal, a lamb or a sheep. He says, take special care of the chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day of, this month, of the first month. And the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight. They are to take some of, everybody say the next two words, the blood and smear it on the sides and the top of the doorframe, the entry to their homes of the houses where they eat the animal. And I think this is, I heard somebody say this one time, this, you actually see the first picture of the cross of Jesus right here in Exodus. I want you to imagine that you take blood and you put it on the top of a doorframe, the sides of the doorframe, that blood would drip down off the top, hit the ground below, and so you can see this cross here. Blood, 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 blood. Crown of thorns, nails in his hands, nails in his feet. Smeared on the sides and top of the doorframes of the houses where they eat the animal, and on that night, we skip ahead to verse 12, God says, I'll pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. This is a, a type and shadow of what's coming with Jesus. Notice, it's the firstborn what? Son. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. You see what's happening. And, and, and every firstborn male in the land of Egypt, and I'll execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord, but the blood. Come on, y'all. But the blood on your doorposts will serve as a sign, marking the houses where you're staying. When I see the blood, I will, everybody say these next two words, 
pass over you. When you hear the Jewish feast, the festival of Passover, it is literally a celebration of this moment. Where when God came and took the firstborn of every Egyptian family, it did not happen to the Israelites. He passed over their homes. What is the significance of us for us now and our relationship with Jesus? Because, well, here's the deal. Sin separates us from God. His standard is perfection. Any perfect people in the house? Yeah, I was waiting to see if any narcissists had joined us this morning. <laughs> come on, we're all, we're all kind of a mess, right? I'm pretty sure some of y'all knew some of the stuff I've done in my past. You wouldn't even have come today. Like, we're, we're kind of a mess. And one day, there's supposed to be a penalty, a payment for that sin. There should be a punishment that takes place. But hey, y'all, can I tell you some good news? If you're in a relationship with Jesus, you have been marked by the blood of Jesus on the cross. And when it's time for that payment to happen, that, that, that moment of retribution will pass over each and every one of us. Come on, can I hear an amen this morning? It's still Passover. And this plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. And he says, this day is a day to remember. Each year, from generation to generation, you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is a law for all time. So later today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to participate in communion. What you should know about communion is it's not just a Christian tradition that we do in Christian churches. When you participate in communion, you are actually practicing a tiny little piece of the same thing that Jewish people would do during the festival of Passover, celebrating this moment where God passed over and did not execute judgment on the homes of the Israelites. And then we're saying in that moment, thank you, Jesus, that instead of executing judgment on me for my sins, you are going to pass over because I am marked by the blood of Jesus through his work on the cross. It's a beautiful thing. That's why 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says this, Christ, our what? Passover lamb. Has been sacrificed for who? For us. He's our Passover lamb. He is our Passover lamb. It's so significant because when you think of even the, the Last Supper, that moment that we have crafted communion to, to be like and to represent, when Jesus takes that bread and he, he says, hey, take this and eat it. This is my body, which is going to be broken for you. And he takes that cup and he passes it to the disciples. He says, this is my blood that's going to be shed for you. What you need to know is that they are literally in the season, the feast, the festival of Passover in that moment. When Jesus goes to the cross and gives his life for us, it's during the Passover season. Do you see the significance of this? He goes and he offers himself a sacrifice for us. So, so I, I want to just make a statement this morning, and hopefully you'll agree with me. How many, of us, how many of us think that for those of us who are in relationship with Jesus, the cross ought to mean something? It ought to mean something. And I'm sure if I spend a lot of time on this, even from a doctrinal or a theological perspective, I could come up with a really long list, but I just felt like there were three things that I, I was supposed to communicate with you this morning, three, three truths, three, three adjectives, if you will, about the cross. And I just want you to think about these this morning. When you, when you see the cross, let it, 
let it mean something to you. Because the, the cross is, is a few things. Number one, the cross is a symbol. It's a symbol. It's a symbol. When I look at the cross, I don't want to take the cross too casual. I don't ever want to forget the cross. I've, I've had the opportunity with my family uh, the last several years to load up a truck and pull a tra- trailer, and we usually spend some time in the summer road tripping and traveling around and seeing just this beautiful country of ours. And one of the things that I've noticed as we travel is that I'll see time after time after time is somebody who maybe owns a piece of land, maybe a rancher or a farmer, especially if they've got a hill anywhere near the interstates, is, is they'll go out and they'll, if they're a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, they want to they do something to represent that to all the cars that are traveling up and down near their property. And so uh, you'll see this across America, I'll repeat it over and over again in different sizes and, and different ways, but, but you'll see three crosses. Representative, just a reminder of what Jesus did, who, who Jesus is. And I've, I've found myself kind of being like, man, I just want to have a moment every time I see it. To remember that the cross is a symbol. It's a, it, it reminds me of who Jesus is and what he did for me. Paul, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 1.18 that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction. But we, come on everybody, who are being saved know that cross is actually the very power of God at work in our lives. It, it, it means, it's a symbol, it reminds me of hope, it reminds me of eternity, it reminds me that my sins have been forgiven and paid for, that, that I don't have to wake up every morning and start my day in a deficit of shame and regret, no, 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 I get to start my day with a balance of zero, come on, y'all, able to go live my life, go live the life that Jesus has, has called me to. Even people who aren't followers of Jesus understand there is some significance to the cross, we, wear it around our necks. We think it's deck, nice jewelry, deck, but, we, but there's something innate in us that understands the significance of this symbol, this place where our salvation was purchased. It's a symbol of hope. It's, it's not just a symbol, though. It's also a message. I, I think the cross is a, a love note to humanity. Jesus saying, hey, human being, I'm in love with you. I care about you. It's an open invitation to eternal life and salvation for anyone who's willing to believe in what he did there. It's a message. I I love this passage in John 15 when it says, when Jesus says, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way I've loved you, Jesus says. what, what, What did you do, Jesus? He says, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And so he taught it and then he did it. He laid down his life for us. It's a, it's a symbol. It's a message. It's a love letter. And the cross is also an, also an altar. It's an altar. If, if you study the scriptures, you'll see throughout the, the whole narrative, altars play a pretty important part, and they, they can mean different things, actually. It's sometimes a, an altar is a place of sacrifice, of, of repentance before God. Sometimes it's a, a place of covenant, of agreement. Sometimes it's a place of remembrance. Sometimes it's a place of offering something to the Lord. Sometimes it's a place of leaving something in the past and, and walking away. You know what I love about the cross is the cross actually represents all of those. It's an altar. A place where the greatest sacrifice in history was made. 
where his blood was, was shed for us so that we could be passed over. It's a place of remembrance to remember what Jesus did. It's a, it's a place to offer my heart to him and offer my, my burdens and my worries to him. It's a place where I can leave my past, my regret, my shame. I can leave it there at the altar of the cross. Paul said as much in Hebrews 13, 10, he says, we have an altar. What is it? The cross. Where Christ was sacrificed, where those who continue to seek salvation by obeying Jewish laws can never be helped. Under the system of Jewish laws, the high priests brought the blood of the slain animals into the sanctuary as sacrifice for sin, and then the bodies of the animals were burned outside the city, and that's why Jesus suffered and died outside the city where his blood washed away our sin. Aren't you thankful for that? So if, if today you're a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, that means at some point you came to the cross. You had a moment at the cross. but there's some of us in the room today who maybe have not had that moment yet. I have, I've not come to the cross, received the work that Jesus did for me there, left my sin and my shame and my past and my hurt there with him and gone on to the life that he has called me to. And I just want to take a moment right now, if we can, I told you things are going to be a little different, a little outward today, so would you just close your eyes with me all across the room, and if you're in here today listening to me and you say, Michael, I need to come to the cross of Jesus. I need to surrender my life to him. Would you just wave your hand at me? just want to know you're in the room. won't call you to the front. won't embarrass you. I see it. I see it. Anybody else? I see it. I just, I just need to surrender to the cross. I need to come to the cross of Jesus. Anybody else? Just give me a second. I see it. Good job. Thank you. Anybody else? So if you raised your hand or, or if you're watching online this morning and maybe you raised your hand there wherever you are, could you just go ahead and just whisper in your heart right there this morning, Jesus, thank you for the cross. I believe you died for me there. And in this moment right now, I'm being washed purified, cleansed because of your blood that was shed on the cross. And not only did you die for me there, but three days later you rose from the dead. And you conquered sin. And you conquered death. And you've conquered hell. And so from this day on, Jesus, my life belongs to you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, church, can we celebrate as heaven grows this morning and hell gets so awesome. So it's early. I know it feels like we're wrapping up. I'm just telling you, it's really early. I just got a couple, couple more slides, a couple things I want to do with you here before we finish our time together. I'm going to give you an opportunity to take communion. And I, let me just pause for a second, too, and just take care of some housekeeping, all right? Because 
I don't think Pastor Perry's going to end up out here. We're not going to have time for a host moment. So on, in every seat pocket in front of you is, is a piece of paper. It's called a connection card. And I just want you to know you can use that. There's also offering envelopes if you want to give today. To communicate with us, let us know what's going on in your life. If you have a prayer need, if you need to talk to somebody, if you have questions about church or small groups or ministry involvement, there's two receptacles in the lobby. You can drop that in, and there's a digital version online for you in the app. Or if you're watching online, there's a link that's been posted. You Use that today. If you raised your hand a second to go, a second ago and made that decision to follow Jesus, please check that box. Let us know on that connection card. and. We just want to come alongside you. Nobody's going to show up at your house or do anything weird. Not going to bother you. We just want to resource you so you can have a healthy start to your walk with the Lord. Anybody ever felt like, anybody who's a, a follower of Jesus ever felt like, I had this moment, I had this moment of clarity where I came to Jesus. I understood what the cross meant. I, I, I. I surrendered my life to him, but if I'm being honest, sometimes I feel like the cross is really distant, like God's hard to get to, like I'm not even really sure that he loves me, I'm not even really sure he's there for me. You know, there's unfortunately another character in this whole story, somebody who, somebody who doesn't want you to get to the cross of Jesus. Somebody who, who always wants you to doubt the work that Jesus did there. In fact, Jesus himself references him in John 8. And he's talking about the enemy of our souls here. He says, and he lies. It's consistent with his character for he is, everybody say it, a liar. And the father of lies. The enemy of your soul is literally the inventor of lies. And what happens is this cross can sometimes feel distant because of a lie. I've got this brick here, this brick. A brick can be used for a lot of things. It's probably most commonly used to build a wall, to build a, a structure. But the thing about this brick is it's not actually a real brick. I mean, as much as I work out, I wouldn't be able to do this with a real brick. That was sarcasm. It's fine. I was laughing in the inside. You don't have to. It's not a real brick, it's, it's actually kind of a lie. It's a fake brick. In fact, I've got some people who are gonna come out and help me. It just says lies right here. You know, you know what the enemy would love to do is try to keep you from experiencing closeness to Jesus, to try to keep you from experiencing the cross. And he does it, he always starts by just planting a lie. One, one seed, that's all it takes. One seed, getting us believing something that's not real. And an effort to try to get us believing that the cross is not there for us, is not available to us. To, to try to get us to believe that God is distant, that He's not for us. In fact, some of us, some of the, it starts with one lie. And here's the, here's the thing. Some of it, I've talked to people sometimes and they're like, Pastor, pray for me. I'm just, I'm really under attack. I'm under spiritual attack. And sometimes I think, no, you're not. In fact, the, the enemy of your soul, he, he's not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere all at once. He, 
He doesn't even need to keep attacking you. All he needed you to do was to believe one or two lies at some point in the narrative of your life and to get your thinking pattern just a little bit off from the truth of God's word. And that's all it would take to get you believing that the cross isn't available for you. And if he can get you believing one lie and if he can get our thought patterns a little messed up, then then he can get us believing more. Like some of us are carrying a lot of shame today. There's a brick in a wall separating you from God called shame. Some of us are dealing with some, some self or some disappointment. I don't know if anybody's ever experienced disappointment in the room this morning. I heard somebody say one time that disappointment lives in the gap between expectation and reality. Some of us are dealing with some self-doubt. You're thinking, I, I, can't, I can't be good. I, I, I don't have a lot of value. I don't have a lot of worth confusion if, if God was if God was so good if he was so loving why why there's so many bad things why there's so many so many broken things there's there's fear what if what if this turns out like everything else in my life what if what if I end up hurt what if I end up in pain what if what if I what if God's not as loving and kind as and accepting as these people say he is and what if I go through more rejection I, you're like George Mafly I just don't think I can take that kind of rejection, that's an 80s reference. Nobody got it. Okay. I've, I've struggled with this one. Self-hatred. You look in the mirror and you just, you hate what's looking back at you. Condemnation. This idea that you're just inherently bad. You're a sinner. You're broken. You're never going to be good enough. How many think Brylan and Jared need to go into the construction business? Missed your calling. Isolation. Boy, the enemy would love it if he could get us alone, believing nobody loves us, nobody cares about us. Some of us have some sin issues that we're carrying around. Nobody knows. It's secret. It's in the closet. Some of us are dealing with some loss and some pain of grief. Somebody you love deeply that's not here anymore. I, I, about, about a year ago, we, we lost my father-in-law. I miss him. And my heart breaks every time I see my wife think about her daddy. I miss hearing the way he talked to her and the way he loved on her. It hurts. Ten months into planting this church, my stepdad went to be with Jesus, left my mom by herself. I still, sometimes I just feel so angry that he's not there to take care of her, and to crack jokes and make everything feel okay. Grief can make us feel like, like everything is cruel and broken and like God's far away from us. Maybe you have an addiction issue that you're battling and feels like you can't get to the cross. Maybe you've gone through some abuse and the pain is just overwhelming. The enemy would love, notice all, all of it's built on a cornerstone of a lie. One lie, two lies. That's all it takes. 
and you'll start questioning everything. You'll start doubting everything, even though you know in your head the truth. Maybe you even know this scripture. Romans 8, 38, Paul says, I'm convinced that nothing, come on, everybody say nothing. Nothing can separate us from God's love, not death or life, angels or demons, not fear of today or worries about tomorrow, not even the power of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And we know that, but come on, can we be honest? Sometimes it feels like there's something between me and the cross. Like I, I can even kind of make it out in the distance. I know, I know it's there. I remember that moment of clarity I had. I remember that moment of salvation, but all this other stuff in my life has just overwhelmed me and, and Jesus feels so far away. So far away. Can I, get you, can I give you some new, good news? That wall is built on lies. Come on, I said that wall is built on lies. But God can't use me. I've got too many issues. My, I'm too emotionally broken. My, my mental health's not good enough. I've made too many mistakes. No, 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 that's a lie. It's a lie. The whole thing is built on lies. And it's not even real. But boy, it can feel real sometimes, can't it? It can feel real. Can I give you some good news? Look at this. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, we're human. Some of you are like, I know. You didn't teach me anything, Pastor. <laughs> but we don't fight like humans fight. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds. That word in the Greek literally means a barrier to try to keep you in the place that you are, to try to keep you from being where you're supposed to be. It's a, it's a, a stronghold of human reasoning and to destroy what? False arguments, lies. So Paul says we have to destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God and we capture the rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. No, God's not mad at me. He loves me. You see that? I'm, just, I'm trying to model that for you right now. Man, I've got a lot of mistakes I've made in the past. That's okay. God's not looking at my past. He's looking at it right now. What, he wants to do something with me today. You see how we just take a lie and we go, uh-uh, nope. Replace it with truth. That's why the Bible's so important. That's why scripture's so important, so that you can fight the lie with truth. And when we began this series, the picture God gave me in my head was people that would stop sitting around, standing around, hoping God would move, hoping that they'd have the perfect aha lightning bolt moment, and they'd say, you know what? If I want to have momentum in my spiritual development, momentum never happens without movement. Come on, can I hear an amen? And so you have to make your move. As young people would say in the dating world, you got to shoot your shot. No? Did it not work, Brylon? I tried. I'm trying to be relevant. I'm trying to be cool. I wear Nike. Yay. All right, so. And I felt like God gave me this picture today and, and specifically gave me this word for you. 
Stop sitting around waiting for a breakthrough and just break through. Recognize that the enemy of your soul has been building a wall of separation, trying to keep you from the truth that God loves you, trying to keep you from your purpose, trying to keep you from your calling. And I wish somebody today would just get a little indignant towards the enemy of your soul. Stand up with the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you and say, you know what? I'm not gonna sit on the other side of this thing and hope that one day somebody preaches the right message or sings the right song and I can have some sort of breakthrough. I'm gonna go to this wall that's not even a real wall and I'm gonna get to the cross of Jesus. I'm gonna go get with my Jesus. I'm gonna come to this altar. I'm gonna come to this place of remembrance. I'm gonna come to this symbol where he gave his life for me, where he where he sacrificed himself for me, the place where my, my burden and my pain, my frustration, and I can leave it. I can leave it here. In my in my head when I played this out, y'all like got on your feet and went crazy at that point, but we're not rebuilding that wall, so I'm just kidding. I really don't want any of this to feel manufactured. I want you to have a moment of clarity today about the cross of Jesus. Passover. We don't have to deal with all that garbage We don't have to carry that stuff. Because of the cross of Jesus. So I want you to stand to your feet. In every seat, there's a communion cup there for you. Now normally, normally I would lead you in communion. I would say, open it, get the bread out, all of that. We're not going to do that. I'm going to show you a scripture. Then I'm going to pray for you. Then I have one more little bit of instruction for you. So don't do communion yet. Just have it ready, okay? But here's that moment, Passover, when Jesus said, as they were eating, he took the bread and blessed it. He broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. And he gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it. For this is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Jesus says, mark my words. I'm not going to drink again until the day I drink it new with you my Father's kingdom. Don't, don't take it yet. But let's just take a moment and thank Jesus that we are being passed over because of his blood. That in the moment where we should be paying a penalty and a price, so God, we thank you for the cross. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that your body was broken, that your that your blood was shed for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Keep your eyes closed and I want to tell you what's going to happen. This is the part of this that I, God gave me this picture and I was honestly, I was like, God, people are not going to do that. They're not going to do it. 
but then in the last service, people did. <laughs> so in a second, I'm going to have you open your eyes, and when you do, you're going to see that we've moved the cross to the front of the auditorium here. In fact, why don't you do that? Why don't you just go ahead and take a peek and look up here with me for a second. Just see we've moved the cross. So in a second, they're, they're going to begin to sing and lead us in worship. And as they do, I want you to take a moment and just remember the cross. And on your own, take communion when you're ready. And just thank him for his body and his blood. And then I want you to think about that wall, that separation. And if there's anything in your life that feels like, man, it's... It's been, I felt like the cross, there's some separation between me and the cross. There's some separation between me and Jesus. What we've done is there's a table down here with a whole bunch of ink pens and a whole bunch of sticky notes. And if you want to, like I realize this is like, hold up, Pastor, what are you doing? <laughs> I try to put myself on this side of this conversation. I was like, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know about that. But I want to invite you to come if you feel led. Grab a pen and a sticky note and just write down the thing that's on your wall. And then I want you to stick it on the cross and I want you to leave it there. Have a moment here at the cross and just say, Jesus, here's this thing. Here's these things. These lies. I know they're not true. And so I'm bringing it to you and I'm coming back to the cross. You just have a moment there. If if other people are coming, they will wait for you, all right? We had a line in the first service. Now, here's my promise to you. Nobody's going to read these. We're going to dispose of them in a way that you're safe, you're protected. You don't have to put your name on it, any of that. This is between you and God. And I understand if you're just like, I'm going to have my cross moment here in my chair. I, like, I get it. I get it. But I found in my life, sometimes there's something about stepping out and putting a, a, an act with what's going on in my heart that just kind of helps solidify what God is doing. It's, maybe it doesn't work that way for you. It works that way for you. So let me pray for you one more time, and then we'll sing. You take communion, and then if you feel led, bring your things to the cross. And, and this is it, guys. We're, we're dismissed, okay? So if you need to go you can go. Nobody's going to come back and give you any more instruction. We're just going to worship until the room is empty, until everybody's had a chance to come have their moment at the cross. And I love you, and I hope, I hope this has helped you today. Let's, let's go to the cross. Let's go. Let's take, let's take ownership of own, our own spiritual momentum, and let's make our move towards Jesus. Don't wait for a breakthrough. Just break through. So Heavenly Father, I love you. I thank you for these people. I thank you for this house, God. Jesus, we thank you for the cross. As we enter into this time of communion and remembrance, thanking you. And as we enter into this moment of breakthrough, God, where we say, Jesus, I don't, I don't want this wall anymore. I don't want this separation. I'm bringing it to you. God, I pray that you would use it. That the lies that we believe would break down and they'd be replaced by the truth of who you are and your word in our lives today. We thank you in Jesus' name.